following podcast may contain strong language. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Hallmark of Greatness Last Orders, the podcast where we look back into the films of our favourite Hallmark actors and directors uh, and the films that they would rather forget that they were in any way, shape or form involved with. I'm Joe and with me as always are my co-hosts, a woman who agreed to do this after going on a Nicolas Cage binge and wondering if life could get any worse. It's Bernadette. Hello. (laughs) Don't be dissing Nick Cage. Uh... I never would. And a man who is to trivia what Quasimodo is to bell ringing. The fun fact of Notre Dame, it's James. I would have gone with the Syrian Civil War of people, but that works too. Keep it light. Uh, <laughs> as always with this, you can follow us on Twitter at Hallmark of Great and on Instagram and Facebook at Hallmark of Greatness. There is also an email. That nobody has ever used ever so if you yeah just something at gmail.com how is everybody doing you excited very excited very i know someone's got 11 pages of notes haven't they <laughs> well, well i forgot to say there's a five so it may as well just be four sides is that a lot how much do you usually do i normally get about three sides three sides mm. of a4 on and out of it and a lot of that is just writing, I've no idea what's going on. Yeah. Why is this happening? Because <laughs> do you want to go straight into it? Yeah, let's go. Blood Fist. Blood Fist. Uh, 1989's Blood Fist, I believe it was made. How did uh, we get to this point, Joe? It's a strangled route to this one. Uh, I believe the director of Home Sweet Home was it the director was. of Blood Fist 4, Force to Fight. Juan Mas, which is Spanish for one mass, as we all remember, uh, was the director of Blood Fist 4, but we thought, we can't start with 4, we won't understand what the plot is. So we start at Blood Fist. <laughs> Turns out, Blood Fist 1 and 2 is the same actor playing the same character, yes. Everything beyond that, he plays a different role within the same Blood Fist universe. That's right. And I think quite a lot of the other actors as well get recycled into it. Like Billy Blanks, Tybo <laughs> Commander Billy Blanks, and that mad guy who smashes a rock into his face. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not, yeah. I don't think Dom the Dragon is in Blood Fist 2050, the futuristic version which is only 29 years away now, which doesn't seem quite as futuristic as it did in 1992, does it really? Very forward-thinking, very forward-thinking. Bloodfist opens up with a list of people's names and their actual karate or kickboxing credentials. Yeah, I was going to do a lot of trivia into that, but unfortunately, to me... It's just like, and then they kicked a lot of people. Um, yep. That's just what Don Wilson's Wikipedia. Sorry, Don the Dragon Wilson. Oh, the Dragon. Full name, Stu. <laughs> um, it's mostly kicking. He's very good at kicking. He's kicked a lot of people, and he's made friends with a lot of people also doing that within a period of this film. Has he kicked a lot of people? Because in this film, he misses faces by a clear foot. 
at times. Well, they always end up bloody, so we must contact them anyway. Oh, like when baby spews out all that Ribena on the roof. He's uh, he's an eleven-time world kickboxing boxing champion. Uh, kickboxing. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that is, but it's the South African version. Um, so uh, that, I would assume that somebody who's eleven-time world champion is fairly good at kicking at this point. Well, in this film, he'd never done kickboxing before, according to the plot. That's that's what an actor is. There's, there appears to be some sort of illegal underground fighting ring happening, but with a very clean. Um, like crash mat on the floor that they keep falling on. There is yeah. batter at one point. Yeah, but then they mop it up, don't they? They've got like two little janitors that keep mopping stuff up. But I was thinking, if it was an underground bare knuckle tournament, it'd just be on like sawdust, surely. You see, I thought that, like, um, you know, you said that, what was it, like a green uh, mat that they keep sort of crashing onto? No, it's white. It's like a white. It's white, yeah. I was, I was going to say, because on mine, it looked like satin sheets. <laughs> so right at the start, <laughs> oh, <laughs> sexy underground fight club. Very weird experience. Um, There's green screen gambling, ladies taking bets on massive, massive old computers. I don't know. So I'm assuming this is some sort of. Uh, well, it was '89. Yeah, and then someone again. No one's introduced. It's two men fighting. Apparently, one of them was supposed to stay down. He's had enough of this, and then he blood fists the other man to death. Yeah. yeah. I, I put for the title sequence lots of cheeky kicking, and then <laughs> I could have just reused that for about 85 A lot minutes. of the film. Oh, I just put the guy just seems to fall in the same place. There's a lot of reused footage yeah. in this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, did we not want to go into the synopsis? Oh! We've missed that. We've missed the synopsis. I do apologise. I'm new. I'm not used to this role of host. Go on then, if you've written a synopsis based on the title Blood Fist, what did you think this was about? Okay, so I went at this um, with the point of view of doing a 1980s style thing, uh, trying to get into like the character of the 1980s, even though it was right at the end. Uh, so I've gone with Debbie Blood is a leg warmer merchant with big hair and shoulder pads who wants to raise money for a local VHS store, which recently exploded. Her plan is ruined when hot newcomer Jeremy Ist opens a more popular VHS store on the other side of town with his dog Matthew, which sells cassettes and yo-yos and everything. Debbie plots to sabotage Jeremy's store by peeing in his shoes, but an awkward altercation sees Debbie catching scoliosis and falling in love with him. Will Debbie accept Jeremy's offer to move in? An open blood fist, the huge department store ready to conquer the age of retail. Yes. That is, that's a whirlwind of emotion. That. There's lots of things in there. Very thorough. I was going to say, mine's like two lines normally. I asked Katie for a, uh, so my other half, I asked her for a disease that she could catch. And she just said scoliosis, which I don't can, think you can catch. No, I think you're born with it. I think it's a genetic thing, isn't it? Did you do one? Or... Bloody fight him. Fair enough. I get <laughs> from the sublime <laughs> to the ridiculous there. Uh, the actual synopsis Don Wilson doesn't even call him the dragon. <laughs> John Wilson plays retired kickboxer Jake Ray, who travels to Manila where his brother is favoured to win a kickboxing competition. His brother is killed, and Jake realises he must enter the competition himself to flush out his brother's killer. Now, that's not technically true, is it? Because he's already dead by the time he gets there. Spoilers. Because next we see the man who won going down some sort of hellscape alley. 
it's like a derelict street that's been bombed off. It looks like somewhere out of the fighting in Terminator 2. I mean, he might be good at kicking, but that's not a good tactical move, is it? Well, he's drunk as well, because he's he's won his karate fighting tournament. <laughs> drunk with power. <laughs> drunk on I'm just going to take on this dimly lit alleyway, the worst road in Manila. He gets attacked by a ninja who leaps out of nowhere, straight up murders him to some awesome shredding guitar, and then a little man comes along, steals his money that he's won, and his hat! <laughs> I thought that halfway. Important oh. plot point. <laughs> it's the, it's the, that's that man's lucky day. He can afford to pay his rent and keep the rain off his head. I thought for this bit, there was some nasty cartilage sounds in this bit. Like somebody, the Foley artist for this had clearly just been mashing some coleslaw with his fist. But it was the same sound. There's a lot of <laughs> keyboard crying noises. <laughs> yeah, it'd be better if it was some of that. We cut back to Assume America, where we're in a gym. And our hero, Don the Dragon Wilson... Oh. Oh, Jake, as he's known in this film, is punching a weeble. And it explodes with some awesome special effects. I didn't understand why it exploded. Because he's so strong. But he had like a detonator in his hand. (laughs) Beardy, beardy friend trainer, real ale trainer, had had a detonator. So he didn't punch it that hard. It's all a scam to impress some eight year old kids. You just get through a lot of punching bags in a day. It wasn't a punching bag, it was a weeble. I had one when I was a kid that had Mr. T painted on it. You could push it over and it come back up. Yeah, but through the magic of you know, film and everything. There's a lot of things in this film that aren't what they appear. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. He has a wound on his side uh, that he explains to children. He gave his brother one of his kidneys, and that's why he can't fight anymore, because apparently kidneys is where the strength for fighting <laughs> resides. I'm not sure if I've inferred this or I actually said it at the time, but he said that there was no reward, which I thought was an odd way to look at organ donorship. If it's your brother, you'd just do it, wouldn't you? If it was... Yeah, well, exactly. No reward. I don't know. It bloody is it? No reward. Yeah, but the kids weren't happy with that story and they were like, oh, tell us something better. How did you really get it? So he says he was stabbed by a load of knives simultaneously. In that one area. He's a local hero. <laughs> I think that's supposed to prove. He gets called into the office by a beardy friend. He finds out his brother's dead. His brother Mike, we find out, who was that guy at the start who got killed in <laughs> Terror Alley. But that's a really weird conversation in itself, isn't it? Because <laughs> well, there's, a, there's a, uh, like a DA who's on the phone or something from Manila, but he has a really weird conversation with him because he starts out by saying, Manila had some great times here once. <laughs> Like, you just put that call down, wouldn't you? That's not like a call that you want to pick up. Your brother's right? dead, mate. Yeah. I don't know. I don't care where you went kayaking. No. It's it's very strange. At this point, I was... Is it dubbed, this film? Because the sound is terrible. Yeah, I thought yeah. that. It was either that or my Wi-Fi was lagging. That's what I thought. No, no. because I, I, Or they didn't record it with microphones and then did dialogue over the top later on. Because that's why no one's got any sort of, you know, passion in their voice. It's just like, <laughs> oh no, Bloodfist is here. At no point is Bloodfist mentioned in this film, I will point out. He gets on a plane to Manila. A wallpapered plane. <laughs> the tallest plane in the world. And he takes a load of t-shirts with him as well. That his, his dojo partner gives him, says start yeah. a franchise, gives him loads of t-shirts. 
big yellow ones. Yeah, I know your brother's died, brain. but also, can you do some networking while you're there, please? Worth a try. Random shots of Manila, like a guy with one of them sticks with baskets on it, like a rickshaw, you know, not racist stuff. And he gets his bag stolen by some rascals. Yeah, there's one merchant who's just, uh, yeah, just, well, he turns out to be a robber and he's got a bird in a cage. He's like, oh, look at this bird in a cage. And while he's doing that, nicks something. Whereas... He, yeah, he picks someone's pocket, doesn't he? So no one in Manila is trustworthy, we learn. There's four old men playing the classic game of spin the cockroach. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the rules are. Apparently, you put a cockroach under a lid, lift the lid up, and whoever it attacks, the cockroach wins or loses. <laughs> we're not sure. You get to keep the cockroach. Sure, that's no, because they put the lid back on it and go again. So it's like <laughs> you're either eliminated or it's best two out of three. We don't know. I tried to look up the rules, but it was not a real thing, as it turns out. Uh, yeah, he gets beaten up. Well, he he gets his bag robbed by a lot of people, who then proceeds to beat the snot out of three kids with some amazing music in the background. There was some amazing music throughout this, isn't there? I especially enjoyed the uh, strip club music. Lots of amazing guitar riffs. <laughs> guitar riffs and, and just someone mashing keyboards on a... Uh... <laughs> what was the genre of that? <laughs> uh, I think it's called 80s nonsense. Because <laughs> there's lots of... Bow, 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 sort of stuff. That was the, the great uh, strip club music later on. Yeah, and then he goes to go... And, um see his brother and so he goes down to like the police station or something and then they have like a really good i want to say bedside manner i mean it's a police station but there's a that's your brother and point at a vase <laughs> he opens a filing cabinet full of dead people in vases but on the I phone call they told him that he was identifying the body and then when he got there and his, his brother's already in a, in a very decorative vase yeah it that's was our cool. and this is where we get our first joke do we? Yeah, because oh. he's got he has the the red material. And he said that was in your brother's hand. Oh yes, and it was the red material. And he went, "What is it?" And the police guy went, "Polyester." <laughs> yeah, you see, my brother's just died, mate. Keep it light. <laughs> no, he looks at some autopsy photographs, but again, that's not identifying the body. That's just looking at some gruesome photographs. That I'm could not be sure ever. that you're allowed to see those. It's it's Manila, mate. Uh, you figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't you like this brother, we do have others in this drawer. <laughs> and then he dumps his brother just into the ocean, which I don't think you're allowed to do. I think you have to get paperwork. Yeah. Is it not at the derelict building site as well? There's only three locations in this film. I mean, he did love to walk around those derelict building sites. <laughs> High on his karate powers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he pledges to find the killer or killer's uh, and then I like this bit a lot because he does a kick of frustration. <laughs> and it made me think that that's the only way he can really express himself, really. Like, kicks with frustration. Violence. Kicks with joy. Kicks with a certain sense of ennui. Well, kicks for like, any occasion. I guess a weird sort of psychic flashback and, like, sees what happened to his brother as he died. And I was like, is this the power of polyester? <laughs> Yeah, that's a bit. When you said about it being dubbed, uh, all of that bit is very weird, sort of like sonically, isn't it? Yeah, it's all over the place. He sees two guys in red pajamas, decides to follow them because you know what else are you gonna do? The grunting as well. He sort of follows the sound of grunting, which uh, if there's one thing that you should take away from this podcast, it's never follow the sounds of grunting. It always leads to disappointment. <laughs> disappointment and regret. 
they go through a gate, they push it closed. He's like, well, this gate's not going to stop me. Opens the gate and goes in. I was like, this is a very long shot for some reason. But then an old man with a stick stops him as he tries to peek through a fence to watch a load of people doing organised karate. Yeah, he, he mounts the wall, doesn't he, at some point? He hides uh, his bag first in a big bush. He hides yeah. his bag in the bush, puts some like stuff over it, climbs up a wall where there's people patrolling to get into the karate compound, as I've dubbed it, with two Ks. Karate. Compact, yeah. Uh, an old man uh, sees him with a stick and they have a fight. He avoids he gets a the... fair way around that perimeter wall, doesn't he? I mean, the, the guards in this there. film are terrible because they're very easily distracted later on. They're good at kicking, but not good at spotting, is what I would say. <laughs> I think as a guard, that's half your job is observation and half is kicking. They have to go get the big sticks to batter him with on top of the wall, which didn't make sense to me because he, he made short work out of the first stick men. And then they send in more. Yeah, that's he, he, get, he gets a round of applause for beating the first stick men. Yeah, by the guy with the big mohawk who's legally allowed to murder people and no one says anything about it. Yeah. So, Oh, yeah, he's also got, in this bit, he's got his Hard Rock Cafe shirt, which I've learned, actually, is a bit of a... It's an icon for the Blood Fist series. Is it uh, now? And well, he doesn't also, take it off. It, yes. It's that's also his, his only shirt, despite it's being his two looks. a massive pack of shirts. I wrote it down at some point. He took a bag of clothes. Why is he still wearing that shirt? Well, I want to know what is in that bag, because it's clearly not there by the time that old man's been through it. Other brothers that he needs to dump into the ocean, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, he's got his hard rock shirt on, no shirt, and he's always got, like, tan pants on when he's doing early karate. That's the two looks, the two look. hard rock, tan pants. No top, black pants. That's the only two things he brought with him. Just full of full of roll on deodorant in that bag. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he, he he tries to get his bag back, doesn't he? He goes back to the bush where it was and it's not there anymore. After it? after being chased by the stick men, he leaps off the roof onto a passing car. I uh <laughs> I forgot in, that bit. <laughs> in, a, so... in a in in a physics defying leap. <laughs> It's just so every day. I mean, that's how I start my mornings. <laughs> I just didn't remember that. His stuff's been nicked. He sees an, an, a wise man painting in a pagoda, hassles him. He's like, yeah, I nicked it. Here it is. He's a he's a painter, isn't he? He's a, he's painting like he's drawing a duck something. or something, I think. I stopped this because I wanted to see exactly what it was. I determined that he was drawing a little picture of a shrugging frog. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have no reason to tell that. They clearly just told him to just doodle something and it would never <laughs> be seen. But yeah, he's got a good style. He's got like a Lenin cap on. Um, yeah, he looks very wise. Uh, and he warns him to be wary of the red fist. <laughs> Which is the closest mention we get of blood fist. I've, I've literally wrote the red fist of blood because that's the only time it's ever going to get mentioned. And then Kwong takes him to a bar. Kwong, yes. Yeah, his name's Kwong, yeah. Yeah, they it won't takes... follow them there. They're like I don't know, got bad hay fever or something, and won't come into freshly mown grass territory or something. This bar scene is brilliant. Just your average sweaty karate guy bar. There must be ten a penny in Manila. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's got a big sign on the wall that says Ta Chuang or something like that. Is it Ta Chang? Ta Chuang? Chang. It's it says Ta. Oh, I didn't see that. I, <laughs> yeah, I was too busy there. laughing at the just um, the elaborate scam that happens between baby and baby davis is he called 
Baby Davis. I don't know. I didn't know his name at that point because I just wrote the bloke with the nice hair. He has got tremendous hair. Yeah, he eighties, isn't it? He uh, stares down at Jake and he's like, "Stop staring at me!" And then he's like, "I haven't got any money. Let's rob him." And they do some karate fighting. Uh, there's a lovely lady there who's getting accosted. Yeah, who gets a nice. Ding-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling bit of music, which is good, because they found the Celestia button on the Yamaha that they were using. <laughs> oh, is that the stalker woman? Yes. Who I the genuinely thought, right. like, the joke was going to be that she was a man, really. That was going to be the joke later on. Nope, she's just a psychopath. She just follows him around. She. Yeah. So Baby is this American who's at the bar, um, and then he, yeah, he starts this fight so that he can rob the other people that he's gambling against for some yes, reason. because he only had a pair of twos. And while this is sort of unfolding, Kwong says that, that, that there's this fight club called Tachang, which is why the bar is called it. If it's underground, there's a lot of branding going on. One of the competitors straight up murders at least three people. Nobody yeah. says anything. And they hold this red fist competition every year. And they don't say blood fists at no. all. No, there is no reference to it at all. There's one bit at the end where he holds his hand up and there's blood on it. And that's as close as we got. I didn't understand that bit. <laughs> uh, they run away and we go to Baby's house, slash apartment. Baby's doing some great drunk acting, turning taps on. Hilarious <laughs> stuff ensues. And Jake decides to go up to the roof where there is a woman doing sweaty rooftop dancing. I've just put Jane Fonda is on the roof. <laughs> it's, it's very slow motion, flappy ballet is what I interpreted it as. Again, after watching Breaking Legs, the, the, I want to stay away from dancing oh. in, all, in all its forms for as long as possible, but to be honest. Before he goes onto the roof, um, we have our second joke, which is why babies call baby. Again, oh, yes. I must have missed this. Because their parents kept arguing over what to call him. So they just stuck with baby. <laughs> Come on. God, that's terrible. Like and that then it makes that feels like that's improvised. It makes anything involving him seem really twee. It's like, oh, it's baby's first apartment. Baby's <laughs> first fight. Baby's first intensive care unit. Jake says he yeah. <laughs> Jake says he's not gonna leave because baby promised him food. So him and his sister Yeah, she hates him. Go out for yeah. Apparently, it must be a thing that Baby does constantly, just bring random men back uh, to the house. Which... Well, to be fair, he doesn't have a very good pickup line, because he says, you're very flexible, which is the most cringe way to start. And then she it puts forward a very important piece of information, which is that she lets Baby out, <laughs> Baby to roam the streets of Manila all on his own, um, partying. But she said that he couldn't have got that drunk, because she only gave him 10 pesos, which... Equals about 15p. You can barely get a Fredo with that. He could have won a lot of money on Spin the Cockroach. <laughs> and stealing. While they're eating food, she explains a lot of plot points. And then Jake does like a big, great fake laugh. <laughs> like that. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> we get to the bit where plot is involved. And it sort of meets back up with his, his, his dead slain brother. Um, because the old man Kwong uh, tells him that he he was trained he trained his brother and it was another competitor of the Red Fist tournament that did it. Probably go to the gym where he agrees oh. to. Well, before yeah, that, right. before that, baby wakes up under a pile of clothes and has a bra stuck on his head. 
and his sister brings him a drink and goes, here's your breakfast. And then stalker woman comes in with an actual tray of breakfast through the oh, window yeah. and delivers it in and then scuttles back out again. I'm just like, did that just happen? I've, I've... Did you see what she delivered him? No. <laughs> she delivered him, from what I could tell. It was a little bit grainy, but it looked like two carrots, a bap, <laughs> and a cheese sandwich. That's, that's breakfast. The, that's the, the continental breakfast in Manila. <laughs> Carrots for ice. <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of the white savior thing going on there that I wasn't quite comfortable with. Um, <laughs> yeah, she just sort of follows him around the entire story without saying anything, as far as I can tell. Couldn't pay her for, for speech. No. Right, so the, the next scene jump is the gym. We do it's a lot gym. of scenes all over the place. I yes, feel. It's, a, it's a sure sign of it. It goes around and introduces lots of people. One of them, I think, is called Black Rob, which wouldn't fly nowadays, would it? You couldn't get that past senses. I missed that. Yeah, Black Rob. Is he the one smashing the bricks on his head for fun? I think Black Rob is Billy Blanks. Yeah. Tybo right, okay. DVD enthusiast Billy Blanks. Yeah, he's I... Baby there as well. Baby's, Baby's there fighting what Baby's appears first. to be one of those um, rocking horses on a springs that you get in parks. <laughs> And he loses to it. He falls over. So how he gets so far in the tournament is beyond me, to be honest. Because I'm sure the same guy fights twice, just with like with a moustache and without a moustache. Well, I don't think they're very properly trained either, because one of those black rope fighters faints from being very nearly kicked in the face. Yeah, well, again. <laughs> oh, the shock. Well, the one thing I will say about this film is that none of the combat seems impactful in any way, shape or form. Every... Sh- punch feels like they've pulled it at the last second so when you when they're supposed to be like Wah! it's just more like a gentle tap there's no this is this is actually one of the reasons why this film was made and that they wanted it to be professional kickboxers showing how it you know all happens rather than you know actors in hollywood just you know interpreted it as sort of choppy slaps and stuff this is the real Kickboxing underground legal death tournament. <laughs> so we meet the man who hates bricks. Absolutely <laughs> hates bricks. He goes and... on a rampage with them bricks. I just put then... they're really making use of that bone breaking soundtrack. They <laughs> 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 meet a Vietnam a Vietnam war vet who they say is a victim of napalm, who takes revenge on the world by often killing opponents. And this isn't a problem. He just kills people. And his name's Chin Wu. That's the guy which, with the mohawk that we saw earlier. Yeah, yeah. Which seems to me, I'm not, I'm not an expert in these things, but that seems to be like a Chinese name that they've given. That doesn't sound like a Vietnamese. I name. don't think they're that bothered by it. I think anything that sounds slightly Eastern, it'll pass muster. We're not going to go into the research of this. We miss another bit of um, Kwong's art as well. So <laughs> as they, as they're making their way into the, the dojo. Kwong is there next to some rather nice yellow trees that's got like yellow buds on them or something. And he appears to be painting them. And then he sort of lets his artwork slip and you can see it. And it seems to be a set of grey cookware that he's actually drawing. That he's just he's doing his Christmas list. It's like <laughs> this is the Manila version of the Argos catalogue. He, like <laughs> he wants a whimsical frog and a Le Crochet casserole dish. <laughs> So then having met everybody, they... Um, he begins his training. He, yeah, so he agrees to let Kwong train him and enter this competition. And we get Rocky-esque music. I have dubbed mm. Race for the Mango. 
<laughs> yeah, the, the man goes a reward that he's supposed to get for doing all these things. If he gets world. to the top of the hill before the sun hits midday, he can have a mango. Yeah. Set off earlier. <laughs> yeah. I didn't understand. Uh, big training montage. Yep. Children throwing rocks at him for no reason. Yep. I've put babies training too, but with a punch bag of goat shit. <laughs> yes. He's, that is also a thing that happens. He's trained to kick funeral urns. <laughs> as one one of them. He runs out of shirts at this point. Um, he's just not wearing anything at all. That's because he's doing trousers. he's doing uh, blood fisting. That's why, you see. Yeah. Hard rock shirt off for yeah, that. That's only beating up street thieves <laughs> and <laughs> um, wall-based pole men. Anything else, it's topless time. Topless uh, uh, And we find another one of Kong's uh, passions in life. So one of them is drawing very abstract art. <laughs> and the other one is quoting Chinese general and philosopher Sun Tzu, uh, which is, I, I find that because he sort of modelled Kuang uh, uh, on Mr. Miyagi, who's Okinawan, and he quotes Sun Tzu, who's Chinese, and yet the actor isn't <laughs> he's, he's just, he's a local man. He's very interested. I'll get to that at the trivia Again, stage. right? I think he's, they just went. Filipino. I think they just went anything from that area of the world. Bang it in. It's all the same, isn't it? <laughs> and it's like yeah, that's kind of offensive now. Because the, the the Vietnamese veteran, he's Filipino as well. Like all of the the, the actors who aren't white are more or less Filipino. Filipino. And I, I think it's the same way. I don't think American people would probably know where the Philippines was, but they know where Vietnam is. They owned it. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I think rather than have to try and explain to people that there's other bits than just Japan, China, and Vietnam, it's just easier to just go, they're from one of those three places. From karate land. From, um, yes, from the land of karate. He has to learn kickboxing, though, because you are a boxer, but this is kickboxing. I can't get my head around that. Yeah. So he continues training, he kicks a lot of stuff over, kicks his brother's urn back into the ocean after he tried to crawl out. <laughs> He's not allowed a mango, though. I have to say that the mango in this looks like it's peeled already, and I thought that'd be really slippery. Mangoes, yeah, are, mango. yeah. mangoes are proper slippery, yeah. And then he asks him what Sun Tzu would say on one occasion, and he says, Sun Tzu says, no mango, perhaps tomorrow. Which I think is the weirdest passage in the I think if you look in the Art of War, that's not in there at all. He's wrote that in the back in Byro. Kwong says, no mango. (laughs) (laughs) And there's the first T-shirt. We cut back to the house and Jake is doing stretches on like a ballet pole. Sexy ballet stretching. Uh, Mm. There's there's some sexy harpsichord music, the sexiest of all the instruments. (laughs) It sounds like Elizabethan music. Yeah, it sounds like chamber music. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> like I said, when they asked, the, the, oh, I must find out who did the sound for this. It's like, can you do other types of music? Yeah, yeah, sure. What about sexy music? Like harpsichords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got, got this on pat, mate. Don't worry about it. Lady comes over. Did we, did we ever find out her name? She's Nancy. just Jane Fonda in all my notes. It's called Nancy. Nancy. <laughs> of course she's called Nancy. Nancy, Nancy comes baby. over. <laughs> fighting crime eating mangoes running up hills she goes no no you need to stretch like this and then literally puts her hand on his knob <laughs> it's a move it's off camera like it's out of camera shot but there's nowhere else for her hand to go other than groin but she likes what she feels because they do a bit of snogging then they do a bit of kissing aye so that's the 
blood fist. The blood fist was in his trousers all along. Oh, and then they I'm go off the sexy he, time. I'm surprised he wasn't kicking at that point. Is that the only <laughs> way that he shows any kind of emotion at all? And then it's a Kong, loving kick. Kwong walks into the room and has a bit of a watch while he's drinking some tonic water, <laughs> which was a bit different. It's he had to get him in the shot. He was contractually agreed to appear in 37 shots in the film. He, so was, making just... sure, he was making sure Jake wasn't eating that mango. <laughs> get off it. Get up that hill. And then something odd happens. Mm. Very strange. Go on. Please do tell. Well, they, they go off for sexy times, don't they? And they discover the old man wearing Mike's hat. And he and chases he them by. Yeah. And he's like, that hat. And Nancy's like, well, I don't know what you're on about. He runs off in his hard rock shirt because he's not doing karate at this point. Tan slacks, karate hard rock shirt. Chases him down to outside a store, grips him. A policeman shows up. I have to stop you at this point because did you notice any of the street signs? I no, I was too busy laughing. This was a heaving street in the centre of Manila. It was all shot in in Manila, and um, I believe these shops are real. And there's one that's called Meat Shop. (laughs) <laughs> that's called Tip Top. That just sells <laughs> condensed milk. <laughs> it's just a very nice shop. It's good. I like that though. You know what you're getting. You know, you yeah. go into like a Budgeons and you've no idea what they sell in there, but you go into the meat shop. If it hasn't got meat, I'm, I'm leaving. Maybe it's an ironic name. It's a vegetarian shop. Maybe it's where people go to meat. Ah. I want to go to Tip Top though. That sounds great. Get some of that, put it on your fruit salad out of a tin. Lovely times. He accosts this guy, grips him, a copper shows up, immediately whips out a gun. I'm like, is this America? Political. Yeah, he demands that this man speak English, which in hindsight must have seemed a bit unreasonable. Well, Nancy's trying to translate, but she's not great at it, despite having lived there for quite a long period of time. I mean, I don't know how hard it is to speak. I imagine it's quite difficult. But she says he's talking too fast. This policeman just gives up anyway, doesn't he? He like pulls his gun out, which is an escalation, and then just you know just walks off. I think hat thievery is like the highest crime in Manila. <laughs> it is I'm murder, bottom crime. Yeah. yeah, no one gives a shit. <laughs> crime. Oh my. Well, I've got nothing else to investigate around here. He's Let's go. At blues and twos, go go go. Just had a call from the missus. Just want some tip top for later. <laughs> More kick training, and then he agrees to have a train a sparring session with Baby on the roof, which oh, seems yeah. like a, a sparring session, which seems like a dangerous place to have a fight, if you ask me. But yeah, well, it's great scenery, though. I was actually impressed with that because it's downtown Manila on a rooftop and this glorious backdrop of all these like modern skyscrapers. And everything. It's it's uh, the same rooftop where Nancy was doing her sweaty Jane Fonda boob workout before. There's not a lot of space in that apartment. Things can get reused. Could they not go to the gym? Move the rocking horse out of the way. <laughs> well, for this rooftop sparring thing, I've just put lots of Power Ranger swishing noises. Yeah, there's a lot of. There was a lot of that blocking because no one. He doesn't. Neither of them want to hurt each other because they're best friends now, apparently. And, and so Kwong calls them girls fighting like girls. Which well, baby tries to pull his hair, <laughs> which is kind of girly. Baby's first hair pull. <laughs> And then Kwong takes them apart and says um, to baby, baby that Jake wore out his sister the other night. And that makes Baby angry. And nobody puts Baby on the <laughs> roof to fight. <laughs> and then Baby fights him and... Goes yeah, on the Jake offensive. W- 
Jake wins, and then somehow Baby spits out all the ketchup that he was holding in his mouth. And <laughs> it felt so weird because that that spin kick clearly misses his mouth by a, yeah. a, a big distance. It's the force of it. Oh, yeah. just like he, like he can kick candles out with just his <laughs> yeah. Turn the light off, anything. Then the best bit in the film. We cut to the strip club. No, there is no reason for this scene whatsoever. There is a reason for this scene because it's, 19, it's 1989 and we have to get some knockers in there. That's the reason <laughs> for it. I like the fact that as the scene opens, there's a woman being lowered onto the stage in a hoist. <laughs> yeah. So either her legs don't work or... <laughs> or well, she's got I the best contract of all of them. Or she cleans the windows higher up as well as strips. <laughs> I, it makes no sense. And this... Jake takes full advantage of this by going and having a little sit up in an attic room, all <laughs> yeah. above the strip dancing. He doesn't want to look at it. He can look down. He doesn't even have a drink in his hand. He's just sat there in a chair like... Mm, I don't know why he's... I w- I'm fairly sure you've got to pay a cover charge to get into a strip club. I don't know. How did he find out you know, to go there anyway? Because, it, because Nancy works there. But well, yeah, it turns out that he discovered that Nancy's there. And gets very angry and expresses this through kicking again. Okay. Um, that's the only that's the, that's the rules of the street. The only rule is it's kick the most first. appropriate time to kick. Don't get kick me wrong. first, never ask questions. <laughs> See, I missed the bit up in, in the roof because to me he just appeared and started kicking this guy's ass. And I was like, so, <laughs> from that point of view, he jumps from the ceiling to then launch a flurry of attacks. <laughs> no, he swings so on I like blinked a pole. then. <laughs> I blinked and missed him coming out the ceiling. Yeah. Uh, we've got really sexy music of it's great. <laughs> a woman exposing her breasts at gunpoint. She looks. She doesn't look like she's having a fun time in it. It's like it's awful to watch. Uh, someone in the audience gets very very drunk and larry when Nancy comes on and starts dancing. Jake's having none of this. Appears in a puff of smoke. It would appear, <laughs> and yeah, decks him. And Nancy's like, no, this is not how we do it. Bouncers would have done that anyway, surely. Mm, it didn't look like it looked like the same place as the the bar from earlier on, shot from a slightly different angle. Maybe that's why he was there. <laughs> he just hangs he about in the rafters now, like the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> and then I've just put down for the next bit. We get oh, so Nancy's not very happy about that. No, he's, it seems like he's a bit controlling over what she does with the body and everything. Very understandable. And then there's another montage. But I can't remember what the montage was of. It's Mango Training Part 2. <laughs> just put, he made it. It's like me climbing the Yorkshire three feet. Yeah. He done it. He gets to the top. He comes down. He snatches that mango out of Kwong's hand and eats it. I think this is also where he kicks a load of stuff off, like some ladders, and then kicks the ladders over. He just loves kicking. He lives for kicking. <laughs> is it the glass bottles he's kicking? Like, that's it, yeah. <laughs> he kicks them all off the thing. And then he, I think he misses the last one and just styles it out, but kicks the ladders over that's supporting them. <laughs> I just love kicking. And then we get to the karate tournament. Yes. Yeah. The man with the big clacker. <laughs> What a cool job has he got? <laughs> just showing, it's almost as good as like being the, the clip, clipboard guy at the start of a film, but he's just for fighting. He's just... Yeah. Fight time. Fight time. <laughs> get, get Clack a J effect there. <laughs> so this competition takes up the whole of the second half of the film. Yeah. And I, at this point, I can't understand Jake's reason for being in this much more. Because his, his whole idea is to enter this so that he can 
beat the Bang. crap out of somebody who killed his brother, which won't become apparent in the confines of the competition. I mean, it's tenuous at best. Kwong says it's someone who fights in this tournament. So I don't know what his plan was to beat them up and then go, was it you? <laughs> no, it wasn't me. <laughs> On your way. Yeah. I, <laughs> that seems to be more... He, does, he gets a better plan further on in the competition. That man returns later on. He has a crisis yeah. of conscience with his hat and decides to, like... Uh, babies. Babies about. Uh, I've like just said, at this point, baby's going to die, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you he, can but tell. He's, uh, he's put a bet on. He's a betting man. He's put on 6,000 pesos. Which, which is... <laughs> Which is £89.63. Yeah, is, that in, is that in 1989 money, though? He saved up all those Fredo monies. <laughs> That's what he was doing with it. And I worked out that you can buy nine pairs of tiny hands for that. Tiny hands? I looked it up. I don't really know why that was the first thing that came up, to be honest. What do you mean, tiny hands? I don't understand. Tiny hands. Like prosthetic tiny hands. Yeah. Like medical grade, t- what are you on about, you madman? Baby's first, <laughs> baby's hands. first prosthetic hands. If you put all up his arm, he could do loads of punches in one go. I did I guess. the research for this. Eighty-nine pounds sixty-three equals nine pairs of tiny hands. I think I, I don't know whether I divided that by nine and then found out what that would be. Understand what a tiny hand is. <laughs> Is it like anyway. one of those one of those lollipops that's in the shape of a hand? Because yeah, that's very it's expensive. Kind of like that. it's, it's very tiny. It's shaped like a hand, like a doll's hand. Why you can get those sort of disaggregated from the rest of the doll of a baby, I don't know. If one of them falls off? I didn't you, pursue that much. In you my can have research, interchangeable baby hands, possibly. <laughs> Do they have left and right hands? We'll never know. The first fight is Davis versus the Desert Fox. Uh, baby Davis, obviously, as we know. Desert Fox, don't know who that is. I mean, that's... Baby versus Desert Fox sounds a bit one-sided anyway. I mean, and that's how, maybe that's why he's called Baby. Maybe that's why he stuck with Baby and didn't change his name to Dave. Because yeah. Baby lulls people into a false sense of security. They think they're going to come out, and then he throws nine pairs of hands at them. He could call himself Dave anyway, could he? Dave, Dave Davis. Davis. Yeah, he could. <laughs> and then he'd be like, from the kinks. And he'd be like, yeah. <laughs> Baby hands! That's what he does. <laughs> That's his technique. It's a distraction technique. Plastic pan. Now there's a reference. Yes. Yeah, so uh, he wins that one, doesn't he, baby? He, he beats the desert fox. Yep. This is where the guards are just terrible, because they refuse to let Jake in to watch the tournament, but let like small children in, no problem. <laughs> they go and learn somehow. They go into like, this weird bit, and there's a perfect viewing portal in this cracked... I don't know. It didn't make sense. Uh, big fight. None of this looks impactful. And then we get. Is this where baby? Um, where baby has a party? What? I don't remember this. Yeah, baby has a party, and Jake's sad. No. I think because he, he wins his first fight, but he hasn't found. He wasn't the first guy he beat up. Wasn't the murderer. So he's like, oh, I've got to keep beating people up then, Anna, until I find this murderer. But during that fight, did you not notice? Do you know um, Nancy's language tapes? It was like playing over the top of the fire. Yes. And I I'm like, oh, yeah, what yeah. is this? What's going on? Yeah, because it was I like, my car needs repairs. Yeah. I think yeah. it was supposed to be so she could drown out the sounds of the karate. Right. Yeah. But I thought that she swapped cassettes with, I don't know what music was going over the top of that, to be honest. <laughs> it sounded like <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, it wasn't heart core because it wasn't sexy. <laughs> no, I no. I can't if that's what happened because everyone looked confused, but then everyone in this film looked confused the rest of the time anyway. I think she was like, oh no, Jake. And so to drown out the sound, she put someone speaking every five seconds. Hello. Bonjour. Yeah, it's like you'd yeah. have like music on, wouldn't you? Not an audio book. I was cracking up then. No, I forgot about that. I was. I thought, did I, is that a fever dream? Did that happen? Yeah. Jake sat on the roof, sad. Nancy's consoling yeah. him, while one very loud cricket is chirping away in the background. It might be that cockroach that's escaped. <gasps> Do you reckon? With <laughs> <laughs> it. Uh, we also see Chin Wu, the Vietnamese veteran, killing a man, and yep. apparently that's fine. Yeah. Again. All that happens is he smashes his domino on the floor. The old man who's in charge well, of it. Well, I put that... Mahjong tile because that's more, you know. Well, okay, yeah. But Research. also, was that man blind? Because he did just lots of staring off into space. <laughs> <laughs> he was listening to the language. <laughs> He's like, oh man, I hope I can learn to speak Manilaran. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he uh, he like literally stamps him to death, doesn't he? Yeah, in, in the like, face. It's pretty horrific. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty gross, but... But it's, it's kicking, so that's allowed. <laughs> I don't understand what it is with this man. It's just like, everybody's like, oh, well, that's what he's like. Here he goes, killing again. Yeah, well, I just love killing. <laughs> it's like, none of the people are involved with the Vietnam War, as far as I can tell. No! Now, if he'd have stolen a hat, they'd be they'd on him. On him like... <laughs> Leave the man's hat there, though. Honourable. <laughs> Uh, Jake goes against somebody with a porno stash. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, beats or am I him. jumping ahead? No, no, this is at the end of that. This is, but this, this yeah. is this is before uh, Baby's Party. I just wanted to get to the sexy times. Oh, no, because it was really awkward. Yeah, it's not great. It was, it was like, again, I think this was the regulation two two shots of boobs you have to have per film. Then they, they lie on the bed, and then Baby comes through with this... Stalker um, woman. The stalker lady again looks at his sister and goes, "No, you carry on," and just goes off. And that's that's just a normal day in the Davis household. Well, I don't know how that happened anyway, because right up until that, like until he sees Nancy and then decides to go and plow her, he's just sort of milling around doing nothing. He's, he's sad sort of walking he around in a circle. He's sad because he hasn't found the killer after beating up Mustache Man. I'm going to punish my. He's got to do more research. Yeah. Question: Was he wearing his hard rock top before he was uh, no. sexy times? No, no, no. It was a black shirt because oh. I keep tabs on these things. Now. It was because uh, it was a formal party. See, <laughs> <laughs> it'd been better if one of those tuxedo t-shirts that had been good. <laughs> uh, more and more fighting and another legitimate murder. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, he breaks but- the guy's neck this time. Very hygienic mops clean up the blood on this one. <laughs> well, this is this is to show like the rapid fire. Um, sort of progression of the tournament so you don't see a lot of fighting you see bits of stuff baby wins, someone mops the floor uh, legitimate murder man wins man who uh, hates bricks he he's involved somehow uh, I think is he the one who gets murdered? I think he must die at this bit and then the Vietnamese man, Chin Wu, eats a beetle for fun and then goes back to kill him and I thought, that's a Oh, man. Not only is he a murderer, he's ruined Spin the Cockroach for everyone <laughs> backstage as well. <laughs> a trainer beard has shown up. Oh, I've put, before that happens, he gets told what the snake means and that they're the, the like yeah. forerunners of who's going to win. And I've put, that is bullshit because 
the unit is still in there, the legitimate murderer. Yep. So how is Jake that's... Ne- no. Well, yeah. they, this does all pay off, doesn't it? At the end, we find out, because well, yeah. not everyone is as they seem. Some people have been spouting shit all the way through this film. About <laughs> mangoes, mostly. <laughs> Historical mangoes, yeah. So, his, his friend from back home, who like, runs that gym with him, he turns up in a fantastic van. It actually says fantastic. I was like, oh, I wish I could just label things in my house. And he's looking for Jake and he sees shirts on children, uh, which obviously Jake had given out rather than wearing. And he's not even tried to franchise that, has he? He's just been trying to avenge his brother's death. And have sex. And yeah. Yeah, all right. And go to strip club rafters. He's had a busy time. He's, uh, yeah. <laughs> Again, no frame of reference for how long all this has taken place as well. <laughs> for all we know, mango training could have literally been those two days. He could have picked up the ancient art of box kicking in two days. Right. And we go on to... Oh, yeah, go, go ahead. There's, there's, uh, I've got lady with plot. <laughs> lady. <laughs> lady with plot. Na- oh, Nancy, yeah. yeah. Is it Nancy who comes with the plot? Is it not the stalker? No, no. So Nancy tells Jake that his brother was known for wanting money, win or lose. It's like inferring that he was like taking dives and stuff like that. And then Jake gets all offended by that and then says, that all you got? Got any facts? Which I thought was a bit strange because well, yeah. she's just, just saying, told... oh, this is what I've heard. This is... Yeah, because Mike, like they say, oh, he killed someone in the ring and it was covered up. And yet Mohawk Man murders people <laughs> once a day. And they don't cover that up. I think they just throw them into the river or somewhere. Oh. That's it. You've got to do it once a day, otherwise it's weird. Oh, you've got to keep up. You, you've got to keep it up, <laughs> otherwise you lose the. He's been grandfathered into the murder scheme, has he? And then Hal says that he's come along to tax dodge. No further follow up to that. Oh yeah, and that must yeah. be a bit worrying as well to his gym yeah, partner. Yeah, he, he, he messed all the money up, didn't he? And the IRS was thinking about, it, so he just yeah. left the country because. <laughs> Yeah. They're not, not going to come and, and get you. And, and I would have been thinking, if I'd shared a gym with him, I'd be like, well, is that my money down the That's all then? my money gone as well. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Go to a graveyard where Kwong is doing a bit of a sing-song near a grave, which is a fun fun, fun way to live your life. Burning incense. Uh, it's for his dead brother. Yeah. Lots of them in Manila. Lies. Mm, you see. Yeah, so he tells him that it's a private moment, but then that doesn't seem to matter anyway. No, like, again, it's a very short scene. doesn't really seem to go anywhere, this, but I think it's to further the point that we know that Kwong had a brother. It's because he says, like, you must not fight for the for them, like, for their brothers. We've got to fight for ourselves. So he's egging him on to win egging him on. And then Jake has a fight against Billy Blanks. Yeah, Tybo DVD man. enthusiast Billy Blanks, but is distracted all the way through by Hatman being in the crowd. <laughs> He's come to watch or hand the hat in or to hang around with a murderer because the hat seems less bad in comparison. And they have a, a sort of mid-air Three Stooges moment, him and <laughs> but, Brickman, where they collide. Yeah, they both then... kick each other in the face simultaneously because <laughs> both their legs are exactly the same length. So it just. Quite that they were paired. Do you reckon? Oh, this will be fun. And then Kwong uh, tells him. The end bit knows. of this, sorry, the end bit oh, of yeah. this fight as well is the same punch from different angles reversed <laughs> back over and over again. I'm like, oh, this is quality. Yeah. Well, when you've got a quality punch like that, you've got to reuse it, clearly. <laughs> they did so many takes of that. And then, yeah, Kwong tells him that he knows who killed his brother and he just leaves the arena. 
And I, like, they collided in midair, and that wasn't quite... He finished. stood up, it and the other guy didn't. Over. So I'm assuming, like, he hit him harder, and nobody else has to murder anyone. I think once you're down and you don't get up, that's it, you've won. Smash his margin tile, move on, in it. It's only Mohawk that is allowed to murder people. He's got the correct paperwork. <laughs> Beardface is outside uh, with all the kids trying to put flyers under windscreen wipers. The kids don't un- them how to do that. The kids don't understand, that. so he just <laughs> yells, Bruce Lee, at them. <laughs> <laughs> Who at least was from Hong Kong, I believe. So that's... Yeah. It's, it's and then he, he sort of catches Kwong. He has a look at Kwong. And then he says something like, oh, I know that guy. Sort of thing. Yeah, I recognise him from somewhere. Hmm. Kwong says he's got a, arranged a meeting with Hat Thief to find out what happened and how he got hold of the hat. But after a very long walk through the city streets, they get there and someone spilt jam all over him. <laughs> <laughs> they hung him and then stabbed him as well, just to make double sure he was dead. Uh, yeah, and then there's sirens in the background. The police are coming, and then Jake has got to get away. And how does he do that? Legs it, doesn't he? <laughs> just does he a bump. Slides, he slides down a tin roof. Uh, I, re- I saw him jumping over a car unnecessarily. Huh? Yeah, he just <laughs> blinked and missed the uh, tin roof slide. Oh man, his tan slacks would be all muckied up. Yeah, I don't think he's got a spare. He's, he's got like maybe two t-shirts. Well, he's got he's got this hard rock one and a black one we know of. Yeah. And everything else is just those chinos or whatever. T- <laughs> tan slacks. Uh, more fighting. More and more, more fighting. Tablets being uh, mahjong tablets being dropped, and then we get. Uh, Mohawk versus Baby. Yeah. Yeah. So there's obviously a lot going into this fight because Chin Wu kills everyone that he enters, often kills people that he gets into the ring with. And then he's confronted by an American who presumably he would hate Americans having dropped napalm on him. And then he doesn't actually kill him. No, he just makes his headband. Yep, nicks his hat as well. <laughs> hat thief! So he's a murderer and a hat thief! He's just breaking every code. He doesn't the care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he doesn't um, kill him, he just leaves him. For and dead. we've got Baby's first hospital visit. <laughs> uh, and he's sort of in an ICU ward. Uh, Nancy's there, she's worried that he'll have brain damage. And Jake just strolls in there going, oh, he'll be fine. He'll be fine, he's, yeah. he's all right. We've all suffered blunt force trauma to the head before now and come out of it fine. The beeping of the uh, ICU machines didn't sink. It was like three fire alarms going off at once. I was like, oh, I can't cope. That's because he was not a well man. He was that poorly, they had to hook him up to three ICU machines. (laughs) Because that's what makes you better, the beeping. And and your mad stalker sitting at the side here. She's like, I will bring him more carrots until he is well. (laughs) And a pap. And a pap and some cheese. It's <laughs> all you need. That's the classic breakfast. Uh, and then Jay gets arrested. He gets arrested for this murder of Hatman? Yeah, yeah. I don't know how they link him to it, because... Well, it was his hat. Him. It's not his hat, it was his brother's hat. Well, it, had, it had Mike written on the rim of it. They had previous yeah. beef of the hat, so he remembered him and went, ah. When they were outside Tip Top earlier, you could it briefly really see it on the inside. And I've noticed I'll... at this point that Kwong has a CD pendant. 
I was like, why is he injecting a potato? I put exactly the I same thing. I thought it was a potato. <laughs> and then I was like, it must be a mango. He must have a job lot of them he's trying to get rid of. He gives the steroid potato to Jake. <laughs> oh, is it? St- oh, right. I, I didn't think it was steroids. I, I, it thought, was. I thought it was going to be like a thing that, like a Romeo and Juliet thing where it was going to slow his heart rate. And then he could be like, guards, guards, he's dead. And then he'd be like, Wah! and then karate him all and escape to freedom. No. Yeah, kick him. Kick That's him, the kick him all. Kick to freedom. He could have kicked himself unconscious, kicked himself in the head. That would have done it. Oh, That's yeah. It. He, he injects this potato. I'm sticking with the potato because it's never Potato's funnier, isn't it? <laughs> and then Jake presses himself up against the wall. He doesn't eat the potato, he just considers it for a while. He's like, like I'll I ask know- for Yorick style. I know what this potato's for. We've planned for this. And then we cut- Sun-, Sun Tzu says, when in prison, keep your mystery potato nearby. <laughs> but then we cut to um, sad music and a montage of everyone being sad in beds. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, well, baby, because he's dead or died. Yeah, they, they draw the curtains on it. Yeah, he, all the beeps stop beeping or continue to beep. I don't know how ICU units work. And yeah, everyone's sitting there looking sad. Uh, and then somehow he gets out of... How does he get out of the cell? Did I miss that? So yeah, yeah, he, he presses himself up against the wall and then the jail guard goes, oh, where's he gone? And then walks into the cell and then he just decks him. Oh, okay. Which I would have thought, you know, that's not a good jail guard there. Again, the, again, as I said before, the guards in this film are atrocious at their jobs. Not whether it be at the illegal karate tournament or just the police. Because where would he have gone? He's evaporated. Oh shit! Well, Kwong does tell him at four thirty at this time in the jail, you need to stand at the, with your back against the wall. You know, he gives like a coded message. Maybe it's four thirty when they do the rounds to check. Maybe they look in and they go, "Oh, he's not there." I'll go and but, check that he's not, yeah, evaporated but, or painted himself like a rock. Just stood there. Stood there like in the uh, Timothy adverts, yeah. But he breaks out of jail and takes his pet potato with him. Takes his, his power potato. The power, the statue power of Christ. I'm going to need this for later. <laughs> yeah, he runs over to the tournament, which is just in a building, and everyone's okay with that. On like fighting, up, fighting Boulevard. He's been paired up with Chin Wu. Yeah, what's the final, isn't it? This is the final. Yeah. Of the illegal death tournament, the blood fist tournament. Does he eat the potato at this point? Uh, I I believe he's running along and he he eats it on the way to gain strength while running. (laughs) Like Mario Kart, yes. (laughs) I don't think I've ever eaten while running before. I don't think you can eat while running. (laughs) Try it with a bowl of soup, see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Or cereal. Cereal milk. (laughs) Get some tip top and some meat. Yeah, so he gets there, he arrived, he's potatoed up to the heavens <laughs> with a power potato. So he doesn't even win fairly then, does he? Because he's using illegal potato powers. Yeah, they don't steroid check them before the murder games. <laughs> Wait, I don't think steroids would hit you that quickly anyway, would they? Like you have maybe, to work maybe the starch of a potato would, you know, get it in Activates it quicker. more in your system. But then when he stands in the ring, it, it becomes clear that it's not steroids at all. It's not even a, a real potato. It's a poison potato. And <gasps> Hallucinogenic potato. <laughs> uh, all the music slows down. All the sounds slow down. Yeah, which was good, I thought. They clearly bought a machine for that. And we're <laughs> going to use it. Uh, yeah, fight, fight, fight. Jake loses for the vast majority of it. Is this when we cut to the god-awful CPR on baby? 
The baby's dead at this point, isn't he? Oh, he's, yeah, he's gone. He oh. might. What, what, what happened to him? What was the CPU? Because I've put this is the worst CPI I've ever seen. The doctor is literally just thumping his chest like this. <laughs> Fighting. <laughs> we'll fight him back to death. And I was like, I'm sure it's two breaths and 30 compressions, not just bashing his chest. It was a simpler time. Because that's what triggers his stalker to come into the games. Ah, yeah, it must be then at this point. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah he must. he must die at this point. While Jake's fighting, I think she, I think her name is Angela, which doesn't seem very. Like, Does anyone mention that? Oh, is, that in, is that in the credits? Because I'm fairly sure no one even acknowledges her. She may as well be a ghost, <laughs> a carrot-bearing ghost. So while he's undergoing this drug fuel haze and getting you know slapped about a bit, uh, Hal is there in the stands. And he says some very important words. He says that Kwong is the killer. There's some reason he knows. But all of this is... He remembered where he was from. That's from it. evil Cause, times. Because he goes, Yeah, And then a load of other stuff, and I couldn't work out what he was saying because yeah. it was slowed down so much that it was unintelligible. It was Kwong has bet against him. That's his brother. His brother's not dead. Right, okay. Weren't so, it? That's what. That's what. Yeah, he's his brother. Right. Okay. Because yeah, I just I just remember like, after I couldn't remember anything after that because I was too busy. Because the unit Mohawk man was obviously Kwong's brother, and he wanted him to get to face him, but then yeah. slipped him the poison potato. Oh man, this is a complex plot, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, she turns up with a gun. Pissed. She turns up with a gun. Yeah. Fires once at, at Mohawk man. Jake sweeps the leg to Somehow. avoid the to avoid the bullet. He still loves kicking. At this range, he's he's Drugs kicking now it. worn off or something. Yeah, he's he's uh, the, the power of rage has shed the poison potato. <laughs> I must kick. Uh, <laughs> I should never have stopped doing Atkins. <laughs> the, the kick, uh, yeah, the gun. Shall I put one bullet in this gun as well? It must cost fifteen pesos per bullet or something. <laughs> I don't know. And then Mohawk Man just slaps her into the crowd where she, I think, dies. <laughs> well, he's got to make yeah. one kill in a day, hasn't he? <laughs> Whether it's man or woman, I'll murder someone a day. <laughs> I didn't understand this because Jake saves his life by, you know... Because it's his revenge away. to take, not anyone else's. But then he just goes and kills this woman. So, well, uh... I think he kills Mohawk Man as well. He pushes him into like a stairwell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but before then, that, he kills her. And it's like, well, he's obviously going to do that because that's what he does with everyone. Yeah, you think it's, it's his MO. <laughs> yeah, well, no. He should change his name to just is. Murder Mountain. Yeah. <laughs> Murray the Mohawk Murder Man. <laughs> Jake knocks him into something. He gets trapped in the thing. And then, like, he sort of pulls his arm and breaks his neck. And he's dead. And everyone's like, yay. Double murders today. <laughs> it's not very often you see him, is it? <laughs> Yeah, and uh, yeah, Hal then says that he knew Kwong in the 70s when presumably they all had sort of like leather jackets and afros and everything. <laughs> all I've got really is spin, spin, spin. It's a, a lot of spin kicks, I'm guessing. And then at the end, he pulls something out. Uh, and this is where he's, oh, I think it's the red polyester thing. <laughs> polyester. The polyester. And he has got blood on his hand and his fist at this point. So I'm assuming this is the blood fist of legend. He goes out. He goes out to confront Kwong. It immediately starts lashing it down. 
Yeah, I struggled. I wrote really struggling to hear the dialogue over this rain. Yeah, in this this very rain machine rain that came <laughs> in waves across it. And Kwong says that he killed um, his brother. I don't know. I think he, well, he says that he killed that man with the cap, and then sprung Jake from prison to gain his trust. Yes. And then I thought, why didn't he just plant drugs on him like everyone else? Yeah. Just... But then yeah, the bet. So he had financial gain. Um, so that made sense, but still, it seems a bit it's, risky. It's a long-winded way to do it. It's, it's, it, yeah, it's like a twist ending. It's like an M Night Shyamalan film, but worse, <laughs> if that's possible. So then they have like this showdown, don't they? They have a karate fight in the rain, and then they end up back in Murder Alley. Yeah, where the same thing, the same like oil drum or something, is still on fire. <laughs> yeah, it has I'm... been for about six months. That's their <laughs> only source of heat in Murder Alley, so. <laughs> Uh, Hatman had to wait. Hatman had an apartment, so why was he hanging around in Murder Alley like a homeless person? I mean, Hatman had a lot of things going through. To look for a hat. hat. <laughs> oh, maybe he got the flat because he had money. Because he... oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, in my head, they then have a fight. Quang pulls out a railing and starts beating him <laughs> with it. Because <laughs> I've never seen anyone fight with a railing before, but it's good. I like oh, should be used more often. But I think. As soon as I saw the railings, I thought, there's only one way this is going to end. Yep. High stakes. Nice. Jake slaps the railing out of his hand and, like, pushes him onto these railings where he just dies. Just just like that. He just goes, ugh. No, he doesn't. He says, I taught you well. (laughs) I taught you well. I've seen attack ships on fire. It's not (laughs) that, is it, really? And then he just walks off down down Murder Alley. Yeah. And it ends. uh, And then he meets Nancy. And she just sort of understands what's happened, even though she she had had less of an idea than anybody else. We've just been implicated in three murders. (laughs) Let's go home. Yeah, no one's going to bother. Also, you're still wanted for that first murder, and the only person who could admit that they did it, you just killed. I'll say it in Spanish. And that was uh, the glorious, glorious film of Bloodfist. Wow, from from Hallmark to Bloodfist. (laughs) From Hallmark to... Hoisted in prostitute strippers. I, yeah, I mean, there was there was something there about that, that the whole scene with the strippers and everything, which then never gets picked up again. Nope, it's there purely so they could have. I think all eighties action films have to have at least two scenes where someone's boobs are on display. It's like a, yeah, you have to have it. Why are you giving them out of ten? I mean, that's a hard ask. <laughs> as, as little as ten? No, come on, be serious. <laughs> I'll go for a solid five. Five. Right. I've put four. Oh wow, you are hard to please. I'm gonna go. Oh well, I'll go six then. So I I just think that mangoes aren't included enough in television and film. (laughs) This is the most mango film I've seen since ever. Yeah. Since one of Harvey's weird ones. Have you got your facts ready? I do, I do. Have I got a jingle? Yeah, of course you got jingle, mate. Here we go. Jingle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think he did have. Oh, I've got other background music as well. It's, it's exciting. After dub that okay. though, I can't do that now. I'm impressed by that. <laughs> okay, so yeah, this could go as shallow or as deep as you want. <laughs> um, but yeah, to, to start off, it opened in September 1989. It grossed 1.7 million 
Uh, I mean, it cost just $250,000 to make. As much as that! And that's a lot of money on Mango. Most of that went on mangoes, to be honest. (laughs) Mangoes Uh, and hats. It made, it later went on to make 10 million in video sales over the 90s. I can believe that. Completely believe. Yeah, it's become a cult film, hasn't it? Just for just for reference, because I, I wouldn't have really known how much films cost to make anyway. So this cost two hundred and fifty dollars. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which came out the same year, that uh, oh wait no, that's gross. Yeah, well it made four hundred. It had a bigger budget than that, and it made four hundred and seventy-four million. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, <laughs> like, I think I think you're unfairly comparing Bloodfist to Indiana Jones. I'm just saying that it's a small. Would like to be Indiana Jones in Bloodfist. Yeah, whips are not allowed in, many, in the Bloodfist arena. It carries the same weight, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, there's also Batman that year, Back to the Future Part Two, Dead Poet Society, Ghostbusters Two. So yeah, well, it was a very eventful year for <laughs> film. And somewhere down that list, somewhere towards the bottom, is Bloodfist. I'd say in the top 100. But this was all part of the the idea of it. So it was inspired by uh, the Van Damme film Bloodsport, which came out the year before. You can clearly see that. And the whole idea of this was that um, the uh, company that put it out, which was New Horizons or Concord, um, that's a Roger Corman company, and they just put out films that were just poor parodies of whatever was popular at the time. Yeah, it still um, exists now. Though, yeah. yeah. Asylum and, do it, yeah. And Don the Dragon Wilson said that they, they just went and did it again in 1993 with Carnosaur, which just had a T-Rex on the cover and was like a horrible sci-fi movie. So, um, Is Don the Dragon in in Carnosaur? Which I'm, a, I'm, I'm hoping is a dinosaur that eats cars or is made of cars. <laughs> Can that be our next Carno. film? If, if if you can find it, yes, by all means. We're just watching Don the Dragon films now. <laughs> I also put out The Wasp Woman, Sharktopus. I think it did Piranha at one stage as well. I think they did the first Piranha film. And it was also responsible for Big Bad Mama too. <laughs> Again, if I haven't seen Big Bad Mama, will I understand the plot? <laughs> That's the problem with these. It was the screenplay for this was done by. It was a screenplay. There was a screenplay. It was just a series of interconnected events that happened, and someone seemed to have filmed them. Uh, He later went on to create the Good Wife. Shut Uh, up! (laughs) This is this is absolutely true. The Um, single female lawyer program. Yes. Okay. Apparently, there's a spin-off of that called The Good Fight. I've not seen that. Yeah, there is. That's more to do with like political activism and stuff. Yeah. Uh, the director was Terence H. Winkless. Um, as an he intern, never winks. <laughs> as a young intern, he worked on Silent Creed. Okay. He later went on to direct the Power Rangers between 1999 and 1995. So, that's, the, that's the golden years of Power Rangers, that. <laughs> uh, the actors in it, so it was uh, obviously Don the Dragon Wilson. Uh, he later went on to appear in some of the other Blood Fist films. Uh, I think only... One of them, he reprised the, the role. Second one. The second one is the continuation of the first film, which so I kind of want to watch now to see who he has to avenge in this one. <laughs> Possibly Nancy. <laughs> she gets lowered down in the strip club onto a spike. <laughs> and he later appeared as a gang leader in Batman Forever. Really? Um, yeah. He only had one line, though, which was, look out, it's Batman. 
Really? Oh, so that's not bad. I mean, I'd jump at that. That's a paid role in a Hollywood film. That's dollars. Uh, he went on to describe Blood Fist as a 19-minute commercial for me. Uh, in, the same, in the same interview, he gave the advice, go for the eyes. Just as general <laughs> advice. <laughs> Is that with your potato? Uh, so then Kwong Go well. for the eyes. That's like Dwight from The Office. Eyes are the groin of the head. <laughs> He seems like a quality dude, I'm not gonna lie. He sounds like he knows that he's not, he's, yeah, he's lampooning himself. Yeah, so he, he went on to say quite a lot of stuff about this. So he, he was the one who, who said that, you know, they'd watched other martial art films like The Karate Kid and everything, and they wanted to make it, you know, more, I was, I was gonna say more believable. I'll roll that back. Make <laughs> the say, fighting more believable. It, it's featuring kickbox stars and things like that. And uh, they also did it on a budget and made a ton of money out of it over the 90s. You know, fair enough. Buy a lot of mangoes with 10 million. Kwong was played by um, Filipino actor Joe Murray Avellana. And his writing credits actually go back to 1974, which is where it sort of piqued my interest. Um, But he later uh, made the Filipino films Wild Grass in 1997, which was about the Philippine Revolution. Uh, he made another film called If You Lose More in 1993, and then one that's Labanang Lalake, which translates on Google as Fight Men in 1997. I mean, stick with what you know, innit? You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, he he died not so long back. He did, uh, yeah, he died and, in 2011. Yeah, and uh, yeah, was, was sort of held in quite high esteem. Well, I was thinking about this because actually um, it, it turns out and I've, I've got uh, a lot of people to thank for uh, some of the history in Filipino cinema that I've had but Renz Torres has um, instructed me in a lot of this and, and actually it turned out that he was part of a sort of film scene called Bomba which was translated I think as Bomb Bomb films which is just like action films yeah. which are sort of exploitation um, and sort of around the time that this was filmed, Bloodfist was filmed, there'd just been a revolution against the dictatorship, which heavily repressed all scenes of violence and nudity in film. So I think they kind of jumped at this. So they went, kind of we'll put both up. in there, we'll have nudity and violence. And actually, at the end of the year when this came out, there was another attempted coup where like the, the old dictators then tried to come back. Um, so there's like a massive, massive amount of information on this, which is really, really interesting. Yeah. We can't do it justice today, but it's <laughs> worth knowing. Billy Blanks as well went on to uh, invent the Tybo. Yeah, Tybo fitness DVDs. Yeah, yeah. He, he created a line of those. Uh, and uh, there's a line called the Believers series, which includes motivational prayers and other Christian components. Now, nah, what? None of that. <laughs> Uh, so no, Michael, I've Michael seen Keaton. hell when I filmed <laughs> Bloodfist. Now I think I'm he in the later ones as well. Michael Shaner played Baby. Uh, he was actually a lethal weapon uh, yes. two years before. Uh, yeah. McCleary, who gets talked down from committing suicide. Yes. How the mighty have fallen. <laughs> I don't know what he did since then. Uh, <laughs> Not a lot, I imagine. CSI. Probably uh, the, the best credit I can think of here is uh, Raton, who I think was the, the porno stash one, was played by Rob Kamen. Uh, he was Dutch, or he is Dutch, I think he's still alive. He was a world champion kickboxer, and he once robbed a bank in Eindhoven and was sentenced to 18 months in jail. 
Is this before or after? This is around about 1981 or two. Oh. I was hoping it was going to be after Bloodfist and then someone recognised him. He had a mask on, but they were like, I recognise that moustache from anywhere. You know, that guy that gets killed in Bloodfist. Chin Wolves no, was the second most dangerous man in that arena. Uh, the other thing to think about it was that uh, the mountain that uh, Don Wilson, Jake, uh, runs up is actually an active volcano. They wanted, to get a, they wanted to get a shot of a temple, but they couldn't get into any temples, or they couldn't find any, one of the two. Uh, so he offered to go and run up a, a volcano right at the vent, which he said he would not do today. I don't he, think he would be allowed to do that. What you've got to do for your art, I guess, isn't it? And your mango. Wow, imagine dying for Bloodfist. Imagine falling into an active volcano to finish this film. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I don't have I don't have much more on that. So henceforth ends James facts. That's good. I like it. Make it your own. <laughs> Gonna put it on a shirt. <laughs> no, we're doing poison potato is good or whatever it was. <laughs> Be wary of the poison potato. I'm gonna have mine that says, "What is this mystery red material?" And then on the back, polyester. polyester. <laughs> Review. We do. Ah, oh, yeah. It's tropical! (laughs) These are all works in progress. Right, a lot of the reviews just kind of basically go through the whole plot line like we've just done. So I found some of the shorter ones. Good, good. Two star from Sean W. Familiar martial arts plot. An American kickboxer enters a tournament to avenge his brother's death at the hands of another kickboxer. Provides a revealing look at the popularity of acid wash jeans in the Philippines in 1989. Yeah, just mention nothing about the Hard Rock Cafe t shirt in there. No. Just jeans. And then I thought, I don't really I didn't see even any notice jeans. any jeans. Yeah, exactly. So I, I might have to go back and see. Baby's wearing jeans. I'm going to re look at this in a whole different way in the second time around. You can never go back. That's the thing. <laughs> He's wearing jeans. She's wearing jeans. <laughs> oh, everyone's wearing jeans. Yeah. <laughs> there is a lot of jeans. I did not notice jeans. His name is Jean. <laughs> yeah. uh, another two star by Dean M. A typical martial arts chop out. I think he might have meant cop out or he was being clever there. Oh, I got, that could be a good pun by Dino there. Mm. I call him Dino. <laughs> Best mates. Uh, peopled by actual World Kickboxing Association champs, karate kings and a wealth of other unsightly folks who just can't act. I think that's a bit harsh. Are they talking about that man with the phone? Uh, You know, right at the start where he's introduced a baby and it all kicks off and there's a very worried looking man with the phone. (laughs) (laughs) He looked like Beaker. I think the man with the clipper thing in the (gasps) corner. He did a splendid job. He's he's the best actor out there. He's on IMDb as Clapman. (laughs) He's not. That could mean another thing. (laughs) Especially in Manila. (laughs) (laughs) And then my favourite review of all time. Five stars by Brian Bagsby. Is is it five out of ten or five out of five? No, this is five out of five. Are you ready for this one? Go for it. I think so. He says, I am... (laughs) I can't do it because it's too funny. Come on! (laughs) Brian says... I am satisfied with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brian. End of review. Five stars. That's, as, that's as, as, as close as he wants it's to like, get. It's like my dad's wrote that review. <laughs> that was a film. <laughs> <laughs> 
Very, very oh, good. Come on, Brian. I wouldn't change anything. About Five it. stars, though. That's just, just like, if it was one star, no, <laughs> would be the review. No. <laughs> uh, but yeah, those are the reviews. Oh, that was good. I enjoyed it. In conclusion, then, that was uh, the first bonus episode of Hallmark of Greatness, Last Orders, Brackets, colon, Bloodfist. <laughs> if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Hallmark of Great, on Instagram and Facebook, at Hallmark of Greatness. Anything else? Any last words? Your favourite quote from the film will do. We know yours, Barry. Oh. Polyester! <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think, um, yeah, Baby's first line is probably my favourite, which was, Pally, lay off her! Bye! This will be with me. <laughs>